1: This is an Irish independent podcast. we would say,
0: is it worth getting in anyone from overseas? Because there's always going to be young Irish guys who could get those sort of opportunities.
1: If it's a really good player, Luke's shaking his head already. We don't need them. Leinster don't,
2: sorry, Leinster don't need them. Why? So like, No matter oh, who why, it like is. Leinster, Leinster have, how many, how many internationals have they got? The reality is, Leinster have failed by their own high standards, by not winning more than one Heineken Cup since Stuart Lancaster has been here. Something has been missing. The gap
0: between Leinster and Ulster, Munster and Connock's desperation derby, and whether the emerging Ireland tour has been a complete waste of time are all topics of discussion on the latest episode of the Left Wing podcast. Will Slattery here with you, and I'm delighted to be joined by Luke Fitzgerald and Keen Tracy. We might start with the fallout from the first heavyweight clash of the URC year, Luke. Myself and yourself were both up in Belfast last Friday night for Ulster versus Leinster. I'm not sure if the Titanic experience was the highlight of my day. The match was okay. Uh, the rain probably contributed to it not being the best spectacle. But overall, what did you learn from both teams after seeing Leinster beat Ulster?
1: You know, I think there's still quite a gap between uh, both front rows. I think Leinster look far and away. I mean, it's such a strong part of the team for them. That's even without uh, Tyke Furlong. Uh, and I'm not even sure how good Alalatoa is, but uh, I think when he comes back... Um, you know, I, I, or sorry, when Ty Furlong comes back, I just think they're, they're so formidable. There, Those two hookers are just unbelievable players. And, uh, I mean, Porter, the job he did in the first half in that scrum, I mean, um, seems to be, you know, Jenkins making a big difference behind him, but also Baird, um, you know, having talked to Stephen Ferris. It's just such a strong part of the team for Leinster. And, you know, if it does become... um you know a bit of uh, you know a messy affair and a forward dominated affair you just knew that leinster were going to come out on top uh, there and it really favored them i thought that that's where the difference really showed um and look in terms of the rest of the team i thought they performed very well in patches it was a very strong first half showing from leinster um but i think Ulster can be a little bit disappointed they never really fired a shot and the shots they had to you know when they had a few opportunities you know, they they blew them, I think, quite... quite Like, it was good Leinster defence close to the line, but really, they should have been finishing a few of them, Um, and it would have really changed the complexion of the match. So, it really was... Look, it was a tight enough one in, in the end. Um, You know, Ulster came back, you know, fairly well in the second half, but I thought it was fairly... You know, the match was, was, was pretty much done at that stage after the first half. Um... So, yeah, look, I think it'll be a case of, you know, rude, oppor- you know, missed opportunities from, from an Ulster perspective. Um, but from Lancers' perspective, I still think they're ahead. And I think that key area in front row seems to be the difference to me.
0: From a Lancer perspective, you know, you mentioned Jason Jenkins there. You know, he's a player who's gotten so much, you know, coverage and criticism since he arrived. You know, for when he came to Munster, people were, you know, annoyed maybe that he was coming in and maybe younger players mightn't get an opportunity now he's at Leinster. I know he's already seeing Munster fans online saying, where's the where's the criticism of him now? You know, we might come back to that part of it. But in terms of his on-field contributions and what it could mean later in the season, I know Robin McBride yesterday was saying that, you know, his scrummaging power, that bit of heft and bulk is already being... Very much appreciated by by Leinster. Do you think he could play a key role going forward? You know, against some of the bigger teams.
1: Yeah, I think he will. Uh, you know, he looks like a good bit of business um, for for Leinster, and obviously very unfortunate for uh, for Munster. They just can't seem to get these kind of uh, these signings right for them. And I thought Fakatol, which we'll cover. Obviously, I didn't think he was great in the weekend. To be honest with you, um, doesn't look really as physical as he maybe I, I I thought he was. Maybe it's a different prospect when you're playing New Zealand team. You're probably attacking most of the time anyway. But going back to the signing, look, I'd ignore those people from Munster. Like if, you know, I was for, I was highly critical of it. I still think it's not a great move from an Irish rugby perspective and from a Leinster rugby perspective. Uh, I'd rather see John McCarthy in there. He thinks he looks he looks like someone who has potential to be really, really physical. He looked excellent in New Zealand, I thought, the few bits we saw of him. Um, you know, and I think that might curtail his opportunities. Like he's over there on that, that trip where like he definitely could have really been he would he would really have benefited from playing up in Ulster and I think he could do a very similar job um, to to Jenkins. Um but to the directly answer the question again and just to reiterate, like I think he does look like he might he might plug that hole the Leinster have probably been found wanting in terms of the big matches the last couple of seasons, that little extra bit of physicality and weight that they might need that'll help them um, to get over the line. I think it really tells as well. We talk about that scrum and Leinster look like they a lot of dominance in the first half when the, the first choice front rows are out. Um, You know, I think in the big matches against La Rochelle, that's been a real area of concern. So it'll be interesting to see if, you know, you know, his 125 kilos makes a difference against the likes of Skelton, who's 145 kilos. You know, you still might be found wanting. Um, But look, he looks like a good bit of business so far, Will. Yeah, Keen. It's
0: an interesting kind of debate about Jenkins. Obviously, as Luke mentioned, there brings a lot to the pitch. He's a big guy. He'll add to that forward pack. But in terms of signings in general, like you could almost make an argument that any overseas signing will be blocking some players. And that, like, you, if you kind of take that to the full thing, you could say, is it worth getting in anyone from overseas? Because there's always going to be young Irish guys who could get those sort of opportunities. Perhaps it's if it's a really good player. Luke's shaking his head already.
1: We don't need them. Leinster, though, sorry, Leinster... So, don't like, be, no one. Why? So, like, no matter oh, who why, it like is. Like, Leinster, Leinster have... How many, how many internationals have they got in the squad? That, is there 35? 25, probably. Yeah.
2: Well, I, I would disagree, though, because I think Leinster... Like, a lot of Leinster's great teams have been supplemented by really good overseas players who have come in and, like, Luke, you, you were involved enough of them really helped change the culture and stuff. Leinster... Yeah, the reality is Leinster have failed by their own high standards by not winning more than one heineken cup since stuart lancaster has been here something has been missing they've identified it as a lack of power in the second row they've gone out they've signed a guy personally i don't see anything wrong with that i agree with joe mccarthy but i think it's still very very early on in his career like jason jenkins has been capped by the box and if you talk to people in south africa even when he came over to munster they said like this guy is a really really good signing if he if he can stay fit so um I I don't see the problem personally in having overseas players to to supplement what you have already, particularly if you're if you're not meeting your own high targets. And I I bumped into Jason Jenkins and another South African second row, Orgy Snyman, in the local cafe uh, last week. And he like Snyman is obviously an absolute giant, but um Jenkins is just like looks like he's made of granite. And I think we've seen that as well. Like you are right, Will. Like I saw that as well. Robin MacRae was highlighting what he's doing around the scrum and the power, but it's also around the breakdown. Like the physicality that he brings is just, um, I think, has brought Leinster on another level, even in his earliest parts of the season. And I think the big test will be when you, when he comes up against the, the bigger teams. But certainly, in the evidence so far, um, he looks good, and I think a guy like Joe McCarthy, it's going to be a benefit for him to learn off him.
0: Yeah, so Luke, would you be of the opinion that if it's a marquee, A-list, absolute superstar that it's worth doing, or that like you don't think, like if you sign Leinster, and uh, maybe to a lesser degree the other teams should just be focusing on the players that are Irish, that are homegrown? Not necessarily Irish, but sorry, Irish qualified.
1: Yeah, I, I, don't think Le- I, don't think I don't think, I don't think, I don't think, I don't think trying to match La Rochelle is how you win that game. Anyway, I think, you know, last year I thought they, they sat back and they got bullied defensively. They're also missing Johnny Sexton, which makes a big difference. Uh, but they sat back and got bullied away from home defensively. That's what happened there. They never got off the line. They never took that one step forward. They meant the contact, even if they were getting dominated, was a game line contact versus, um, you know, they were they were just unbelievably passive. So I thought that's what really lost in that game. I think in both times they've looked nervous. Like this year in the final, they were very nervous and didn't execute uh, attacking. At, uh, you know, from an attack perspective at all. And really, actually, what really cost them the game is yes, they were under pressure at those set phases, but they weren't able to retain the ball. And they they their their depth, which had been a real um, which had been a real asset for them, and the lines of running um that we talked about before, that little tuck line that didn't allow teams to come off the line. Uh, against them to uh, you know and, and tackle guys behind the line they didn't execute those things well at all and then as well their defensive they, they made these terrible mis- uh, defensive errors on the outside particularly for the rule try uh, at the start of the game which really was a, a key moment in the game so I think they're probably looking at the wrong stuff I think you can try and match them if you like um, but I don't I, I don't think you can I don't think that's how you beat these teams I think how you beat them is by playing a, a high pace game. Uh, and trusting that the guys that you have have enough in the tank which i do think they do um uh, from a physical perspective and uh, I think trying to match them is a mistake actually um so look i could be proved wrong on that uh, I think it's too early to judge whether like these teams to my mind Lentz are always bury these teams anyway in the pack the last couple of years. I, I'd say there's nothing to really judge Jenkins on of any note at this point, other than the fact that he's way better than uh, than he has been at Munster by virtue of playing a few games. So, Look, I, I think I could be... I hope I'm wrong on that. I hope he is the, the answer and he's able to, you know... You know, give them that little bit of extra heft that they need, or they think they need. Um, you know, to to carry them over the line. I just think I wouldn't be going toe to toe with these guys. Um, I just don't think there's any f- future in that. I think you have got to remember what you're strong at and what your your point of difference is. Uh, and I think Leinster have loads in the tank um, in their squad uh, of players to not go and and be looking for for foreign players. Um, I think the other squads certainly could do with them um like i think he might be a brilliant signing for the likes of ulster who like i just don't think sam carter has been like to my mind he's a guy who hasn't really fired he doesn't even really start for for ulster so i don't get that bit of business to be honest with you um i think Munster have been very unlucky but i think they're the two clubs that would do that could do with a bit of foreign you know a few foreign players to kind of maybe Fill the gaps that that maybe they they're missing, but I think Leinster are very close to getting it. I just think they played badly in the in the couple of games, and I think they're panicking a bit. It's funny to think that Munster could do with a Jason
0: Jenkins like signing, considering he, as you say he was there for a season, and uh, unfortunately for for them he was injured for for the most part. It, it's an interesting you know d- debate because as, as Keen mentioned, there were so many iconic overseas players who contributed to major Irish rugby success, and not only do they play really well on the field, they do add that a little bit of X factor but I do think that from that era to now is very different in terms of the, the depth in Irish rugby and the squad depth obviously at Leinster but even generally I think the players across the board Ireland have far more options now than they would have had in the mid nineties, you know the early part of, of, of the last decade as well I think there's a you know a much deeper player pool and a bigger player pool and it probably means that they don't need to get as many players from overseas as they do so yeah it's, it's an interesting debate Keen. we
2: might move on to, did you want to come in there? No, I was just i was just going to come back to my point that Leinster have still fallen short over the last few years. And I take Luke's point, but like, how long are they going to hold around for Like these, these players? Like, I mean, look, Johnny Sexton's last season. These guys want to win something now. And I've no doubt that Joe McCarthy is going to be a maystay, mainstay in the Leinster team for the next few years. But if you've got a guy like Jenkins who can plug a hole, which they clearly feel there was a hole for the next couple of years, I just don't think there's anything wrong with supplementing a squad like that. That's all I'd say. The Leinster just don't need it. They just have... They've, they've lost the depth. I think they're making excuses for bad
1: performances. I think they're... Like, I I think they, they didn't execute the game plan well. I think if you ask any of them, they'd say, well, we nearly... Got, like, it was literally the last play of the game that cost them against La Rochelle this time around. And they actually played badly on the day as well. Like, I think they've really suffered from, like, not actually coming up against much, like, really great opposition uh, before they had to come up against La Rochelle both years. And I think they've just got caught out. They haven't... Like, I think that's a... Like, judging Jenkins on these games to me is like that, that is like you know who was it was who, who have they played so far they've played like Zebra they've played um you know Ulster who I think Man without I Henderson and particularly without Vermeulen is that really a test for for him in terms of the physicality is that something that's going to replicate you know one of these kind of massive for or La Rochelle is probably the only team that I can really think of that would really bully Leinster like uh you know like you know like you know like the last couple of years i suppose in those couple of areas but is that going to replicate that i i just don't know i i think i like the look of mccarthy i think he looks very physical like he looked very physical down in new zealand so i mean i don't know is that not a, is that not testament enough to to his physicality i don't know i i I'm, i don't know i i just i just feel like Lancer are making excuses for playing badly and i don't think they need it i just think they they they, they the the They got to them. I thought La got to them. I thought they picked a couple of areas in the game to attack Leinster in. They rattled them. And because Leinster haven't had a massive amount of teams that could really rattle them at all uh, or really believed in themselves to take out Leinster, um, they didn't cope well with it. And and I really think that's what it is. I think this is an unbelievable Leinster team. I think the coaching staff are excellent. But I just think they had two bad days. And I think is, is Jenkins the answer to that? No, I don't think so. I don't like he's he's still twenty five kilos behind uh <laughs> Skelton, uh t- to my mind. So I just don't know like is he bridging that gap? I don't think so. What's an extra five kilos on, on Joe McCarthy? I don't think it's much, if you're if you're asking me. And as well, like Leinster have some it's interesting to see them going with the six two split as well. Like I think uh th- there's something in that. I think some of the other French sides have done that. There there are things that they could have done, I thought I think against La Rochelle. Uh, that that might have helped and they could have trusted their bench like i could think of loads of reasons why you know that that's not to do with personnel that leinster got wrong in those two matches uh, i just think it's a mistake to go down this route i think in previous years i think maybe you think of rocky Elsom. like we probably had two sevens really in jennings and and o'brien uh so you could argue that yeah like kevin mclaughlin hadn't really come to the fore at that stage so i think he made sense and he was a brilliant player as well nasi was just a freak signing just really lucky like he actually got off to a bad start at Leinster because they were trying to play him at 10 Um, he was just a freak bit of business Um, i, I actually think you know that was that was look i don't think he'd get it in the seaway again he was just like an aberration because basically he got a, a fijian cap and couldn't be picked for new zealand so that was just pure luck so that's kind of my opinion on that i, I hate to be real negative on it I, I'm, I'm not anti foreign players i just don't, don't think Leinster need it they're like they have an abundance of riches there, a great coaching staff, and I just feel like they're panicking a bit about the, the physicality.
0: Yeah, well, it, it's a, it's an interesting one, and we'll see over the course of the season how, how it ends up shaking out. Keen, t- to move on to what Rudd branded the desperation derby on Friday night between Connacht and Munster at the sports grounds, uh, both teams badly need a win. Munster got off the mark against Zebre but failing to get that bonus point really put a damper on it. And for the second game in a row, they didn't score in the second half. So it's against the Dragons and zebra where they failed to score in the second half. We had John a few weeks ago. I think
2: that was after the Cardiff game. How are you feeling about things now from a Winston perspective? Uh, well, I think they needed to get a win anyway. That's for sure. And starting the season with three defeats would have been just unheard of. Um, yeah, like they they did some good things in that first half, but like for like you said, we'll not to score for the second week running in the second half against that caliber of Because like let's call a spade a spade. The Dragons and Zebra are two teams that you would normally, you know, even away from home, look at getting five points. And I know Zebra have been much improved this season, but my God, like that their line out was I, I think like the worst aspect of a professional rugby team I've seen in a long, long, long time. I, I could not believe what I was watching, how bad it was. Peter O'Mahony, it was like it was like Peter O'Mahony was jumping against like a bunch of ten year olds who had never been in a lineout before. He was just like a kid at a candy shop. It was ridiculous. But um He
1: looked like he knew their call to me yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah
2: yeah that's what I thought. It looked like he, he looked like someone framework. had <laughs> It's like yeah, they were yeah, throwing was, to him it was ridiculous. <laughs> It was, it was so bad. It, it was so bad. It was actually funny by the, by the end of it because every time they got the, a, a line out, you were just like, oh, this is going to go to the tail to Peter and man here. You we <laughs> <laughs> get yeah. the back line,
1: the back line are in an attacking yeah, position. Done. Yeah. Jesus
2: but like you you consider the the injuries that Zebra had like their backline ended up being decimated the line-out issues and Munster still couldn't find a way to get the bonus points so they'll be really disappointed I si- I still think they're having issues around the breakdown I see, still think they're having issues in defense um they conceded what should I say 13 penalties 14 missed tackles and prior to this game in the first two games of the season they missed 64 tackles in two games which is obviously the most of any team in the league so um it it's clear like all aspects of their game their set piece the breakdown the attack defense is still massively in flux like players i don't know are they overthinking it are they just you know when they get the ball are they already thinking of the next move because what they're doing in training has been so different but i think at some point it's too easy to say you know there's a new coaching team in here and it will take time. And while that's absolutely the case and I'm firmly, you know, patience is required. Like players have to take responsibility on themselves as well in terms of like their own standards. Like the skill level has been really disappointing. I've thought, and okay. Yeah. They might be trying to play at a higher tempo and a different shape and attack, but, some of the errors, like the dropped balls, I think their work in contact has been pretty poor. Um, dropped balls, knock-ons, poor passes going to ground. Like, that's not... Like, Graham Roundtree, we were speaking to Graham Roundtree about this last week in the build-up to the game, and he kind of made the points that, you know, he can't, like, you, you can't go on and pass the ball for a player but he felt like you know the players are just trying to overplay their hand by going for the miracle pass by going for these big long skip passes or bridge passes over the top when two passes will get you there in the first place so for me maybe the players are a little over eager um to impress uh, i thought like there were a couple of good as- good aspects i think which are certainly worth mentioning i think um edwin adogbo i thought was really good off the bench it looks like and, like, speaking of Jason Jenkins, when I bumped, him, bumped into him in the coffee shop, like, this guy, kid, I should say, is an absolute unit. Like, the two breakdown steals when he got, when he came on for a guy of his size to, to get down that low, like, he was really tough to shift. And, obviously, Rue and Quinn coming on, who's only 18, coming out of school, like, his first two carries, he, he ran brilliant, over. brilliant, those carries. God, Incredible. for a teenager. I, I, that, yeah. that was the highlight of the game but like he he brought a i know he only came on for about 6 minutes or so but like he made a big impact when he came on he brought a bit of energy he brought a bit of you know, he brought a bit of like something that was a bit missing. And I think this is going to be one of the most, I think, encouraging aspects of the new Munster era that we're going to get to see these guys. We're going to get to see these guys more. I think, I think they'll be trusted. And um, I think there's, there's really good quality coming through the Academy at the moment, which is obviously evidenced by the fact that like a dog bow is in the Academy Ruin Quinn is only out of school. You had Connor Phillips and you had Pat Campbell on either wing as well. So there are positive aspects, but at some point the, the players have to take responsibility for not executing what I would say are pretty, pretty basics.
0: One thing that disappointed me, Luke, and I don't want to single out, you know, one person, but Joey Carby's a key player in that team at out half. You know, he came on with, I think, 20 minutes to go against the Dragons with a half an hour to go against zebre And you'd like to think you're out half, you're Ireland International, back up to Johnny Sexton, would will be able to spark something, get the team going again certainly score at the very least against the qualifier teams they're facing but he he didn't look very good he was trying balls behind people onto the ground a couple of times against Zebre in particular which stood out form wise he, he he seems to be really struggling I don't know if it's a knock on from the summer where he, he struggled defensively and, and you know that was highlighted but for a key guy in that team you're you're a leader at out half you know it, it concerned me anyway
1: yeah, look, I'd be concerned if I was him, to be honest, because I think look, uh, Healy still has a few issues for me. I think defensively, he doesn't look. He looks pretty shaky as well. Uh, but I like Crowley. Like I, just, I, I, Crowley's out in that bloody tour. Like and I don't want to be too down that, but like you know, he it would have been great to see him over these over these couple of games. Uh, he really could have benefited from that. I think Healy now looks like he's probably slightly ahead of him, even though you know, you, you know, Crowley's gone on that tour, so. Um, yeah look I'm it's a it's a tricky time for Carberry. like I think he's probably been passed out in my mind from by, by Frawley uh from from what I've seen of him in an Irish shirt I think he looks like a you know he way more solid obviously having played a bit in the center from a defensive perspective which I just think is a, is a it's got to be a big pillar of your game you just can't question that about someone because if I was looking to play in Ireland I was thinking well if I, if, Car- if Carbery's there I'm just going to run at him all day like he's very light and he's missing lots of tackles even the ones that are side on you know, you can see he's either not confident or he's not, his technique is very poor at times. He, you know, some of the ones he missed in the in the summer were poor, losing his feet, like way too far behind contact. So it's body weight on body weight and just basic errors. So I think, um, yeah, look, he needs to calm down. He probably needs some time in the pocket. Like I, I just Munster overall, I think, I, I'm, I'm reticent to be too critical at this point. I do think people can underestimate how hard it is to implement new ideas, particularly when you haven't got like a real stable body of, guys in the games with you, you know, that kind of way. And and when I say that, yes, there's been kind of similar bodies, but people who are trying to, people who are confident in Munster jerseys, like, uh, you know, a 15 that have played lots and lots and lots of Munster matches together that kind of calms things down um and you know there's people that probably don't have as much to prove um and aren't as excitable and trying to make things happen because they feel like they've probably got two or three games in the year and if they don't showcase their talents uh you know they will never get in the team so you you don't you have lots of kind of things that are competing against Munster, if you like um in terms of like new personnel new personnel you know new coaching staff new ideas um in terms of them playing well and hitting the ground running, so I, I just want to hold fire on that. I think they will come good. I like all that. Like you look at all those bodies. I, I looked at the, you know, the camera kept going to the coaching staff because of the things weren't going great. Um, you know, in in the game, and I just looked at them. I think Do you know what they're all good people. I think they'll get it right. Um, uh, I think it just it's a matter of kind of staying a little bit patient with them, hoping that yes, you get a few more of the bodies back in, and once they get minutes under their belt, I think they'll be able to implement the game plan that Munster are trying to play. And let let's not forget you know, they're not trying to reinvent the wheel, these guys. Do you know what I mean? There's no one there that's like a radical thinker. Um, you know, so I, I, you'd hope that they're focusing on the basics, and I think it'll be good for Munster in, in the medium to long term. Might be a bit of short-term pain for them. Yeah, and you could
0: tell, you know, that new framework they're bringing in. Like, there were times where, you know, pass out the back from the forwards or tip-ons weren't on, and, but they obviously want to play them. That's the new style, and they were going behind people or, or going not going to hand, and you'd like to think that would come in a few weeks. But, Keane, uh, Luke mentioned there, obviously, new coaching staff, new frameworks. But if you're being very, like, kind of rootless about the fixture list here, you know, Munster have taken seven points from 15. They would have probably been targeting 14 points out of 15 at the start of the season. And it's very difficult to get into that top eight now if you're, if you're not very consistent. You know, this Connacht game is huge from that perspective. If they don't get a victory here already, for me, they might struggle to qualify for the Champions Cup, which would be, I think, a disaster for, you know, for Munster given the prestige of Europe and even the financial element of it like how are you looking at this game on on Friday Conant obviously have had a terrible start too so they're back at home there's the new five G pitch. What I, what I want to ask you about in a few minutes, but you know, yeah, what what are your thoughts on this game?
2: Uh, ju- just on Munster, one thing I meant to mention, Will, just as you were talking about the sort of the framework and stuff, I, I thought it was very interesting that they ran the the Joe Schmidt Leinster Claremont move. I don't know if you guys saw that in the yeah. second half, but it di- it didn't come off, which to me. Kind of summed up where Munster are at at the minute, you know, trying something inventive, but it's just not quite working. So I'd be kind of like Luke as well to maybe hold fire and let's see how they are in a couple of months. But your, to your original point, Will, you're right. Like if they're not careful, the season can get away from them and this friday is an absolutely massive game desperation derby i thought was a pretty uh pretty harsh way to it. but both teams that's are... classic road isn't it <laughs> both teams really need the points though and yeah like i mean if we're going to talk about connacht for a bit like they they've had such a, a bad run of games like and we know like they why they've been on the road because it's all been building up to this game where they finally get back to the sports ground but like Their issues, and I was definitely talking about this the last time I was on as well, are the same issues they were having last season, like their discipline, their defense, uh, their lack of power and physicality up front. So they need a massive, massive response um, this weekend. Like Everyone knew that the fixture list was tough, particularly for Connacht, but... You know, we kind of talk about, like, you know, Luke talking about, like, you know, Leinster looking for an easy way out, easy excuses. You can't just blame that for every tough game that comes along. And I think, you know, Connacht have had Munster's number a couple of times over the last few years. And you'd imagine there's, well, there is going to be a big crowd in the sports ground. Um, It'll be very interesting to see how they adapt to the the new pitch. I think today was the first day I think they were they were training on it. But, like... So much kind of stock has been put in. Oh, like the new pitch is being, is, is being installed, but that doesn't like that's not going to make your defense better. Like that's not going to make your pack beefier. So, um, I think Connacht are in a really tricky spot. Uh, I would expect a big response at, at home, but I think generally speaking, they're in a tricky spot because we talked about, um, Ulster's kind of problems of old to me Connacht still have I know, I know they've made a couple of good signs Peter Dooley and Josh Murphy but to me they're still they're still a bit light they have a couple of new backs who are adjusting I think they've really missed Jack Carty actually over the first couple of weeks obviously every team is going to miss uh, their captain so I think he might be in the running to be back this week which would be a huge boost but yeah it's it really feels like if it was a if it was a Premier League game that it would be a, like a cliched six pointer um, so yeah it'll be, it'll be a cracking game I'm really looking forward to it it'll be it'll be interesting if the if the Galway weather doesn't play ball then you're going to see that the value of the 5g pitch you know might necessarily be what lots of people think because it doesn't have a roof over it which I think I was saying to you guys before as well yeah a big eight pointer that's what we can call it now uh, in rugby parlance you know yeah you
0: mentioned the, the Leinster signings you know Adam Byrne who obviously hasn't played yet but Josh Murphy has played you know David Hawkshaw has played as well Peter Dooley's played in the front row. And I was, I was interested because I was just going through earlier, like the it's very checkered history of players leaving Leinster the last five, six years and, and going on and and achieving, you know, performance levels that were similar to when they were playing with a load of stars alongside them. I like, I just you know wrote down a list earlier between injury and, and maybe loss of form, you know, Joey Carby, Jordy Murphy, and Madigan, you know, Nick McCarthy the Munster, Jack McGrath, Noel Reed, Keane Kelleher, going to Connacht. You know, Roman Solanoa hasn't really fired up Munster. Like, there's a lot of players who've gone and who, who haven't really kicked on. Tom Daly is one who has gone to Connacht and been really, really good. But some of the other success stories, you know, Ty Byrne, John Cooney, Andrew Conway, you're going back a good few years now. So it will be interesting to see if those guys can take the the form they showed on occasions with Lancer. To, you know, they were good prospects and, and, and kind of bring it to Connacht where they won't be surrounded by star players as they would have been with Lancer. Luke, what's your perspective on Connacht? At the moment, like like Munster, they've had a slow start. You know, they had a very tough fixture list, as Keane mentioned, because of the the you know the new pitch being put in. Similarly,
1: Munster, like they, they, kind of have to win this game. Oh, I'm actually really worried about Connacht. I think they're. I, I think um, you know Bundy, Aki been missing for eight weeks is an absolute disaster for them. Um, I think he's a real talisman. I think Carty will be important for them coming back, but I just don't think it's it enough. I think um, I don't know. I I just feel like they're really lacking. Uh, you know whether it's a bit of belief or whatever it is, because I mean the amount of silly penalties uh, and stuff that they've given away—they they look so leaky defensively as well. Um, I'm just—I'd be really, really concerned for them. I—I I feel like it's a really long way back for them already, and I actually think Munster should win this one uh comfortably enough on the weekend, even though Munster like calling that you know off the back of Munster's uh, performances so far and and where Munster are in their project in terms of time, um. <laughs> feels like a, like it feels like a bit of a mad couple I just it's it's just really a reflection of where I think uh, Connecticutara I, I hope I'm wrong I hope that the, the new stadium and that being back home is, is is a big lift for them and they can give their 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 supporters something to get behind but I think if Munster you know pick a pretty strong team which I think they have to I think they'll have a little bit too much for them because um, I just think I I, I just think they just don't seem to have any clarity in their thinking like, uh, uh, and you know, th- some of the penalties they were given away against Ulster a couple of weeks ago. Like, I mean, I just think crazy stuff, uh, you know, and and like if I was coming in there as the coach, I'd be thinking, what are the two things, two areas that I need to fix? Like it'd be defense and discipline straight away. I mean, those two stats are screaming out at you. Uh, when you look at the, even if you look, go on the URC website, um, you know, from last season. So I think, um, how they haven't managed to fix them or how there hasn't looked to be any improvement in that area is very, very concerning for me. And it would, you know, I think they need to fix those things really, really quickly. And I'd be amazed if what's probably amazed me is that I'm sure that they have tried to do it, but it seems to have had no effect so far. So, um, yeah, worrying times for them. And I think, um, yeah, I don't think it looks good for them. I'm really, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm pretty bearish on them. I'm not, I'm not liking them at all at the moment.
0: Yeah. Keen, like, It's an interesting one. Part of me thinks, I was just thinking about this earlier watching the highlights back from the weekend that, you know, the success they've had Connacht over the last, say, six years since Pat Lamb, you know, came in and won the league and then the bit of consistency they had under Andy Friend at the start getting top six and getting into, you know, Champions Cup and whatnot, like that, that they're huge overachievements, really. When you see what they're working with, sometimes I'm like, we're doing these big, a big deep dive on Connacht, and I know obviously the penalty count is really poor. Defensively, they're making mistakes, but like comparing them to the other Irish provinces and expecting them to compete with them, really, that's a huge ask. If you just even look at the squads, like Leinster, laden with internationals, Munster and Ulster, still quite a lot of internationals. I don't want to be patronizing and say like, oh, is is it really harsh to judge them like that? Because it is a bit patronizing to say that. But at the same time, like to expect them to be to compete, you know, top eight is probably a very tall order, realistically. And I've like they play really good rugby, like considering what they bring to the party versus kind of maybe the lower, the fourth ranked team in other countries or even the third ranked team in Wales or second ranked team, they actually punch above their weight quite a bit all the same.
2: Yeah, no, there's definitely, I would agree with a lot of what you said there, Will. Um, and I thought it was interesting that D-Wall Senecal came out last week and said, you know, we need to stop being the the nice Connacht boys. And like, you don't often get a coach like that. I thought that was, you know, pretty, pretty critical, like of, of his own pack. Like, obviously he's working around the mall and stuff. But when you're going to, like that, he said that in the build up to the Bulls game last weekend. But when you're going to like a place like Loftus, you know, saying, we don't want to be the nice connex boys. Like it's very, very tough to, to go to a place like that and look for a response. And to be fair, the Bulls just absolutely, I thought, devoured them up front again. And like that's what teams are going are going to ultimately do. And just to your to your. Kind of point, Will. I think this South African teams coming in was always going to be big, big trouble for a team like Connacht because, like you said, the pure, pure numbers game, the depth that they just don't have it. I mean, when like Will is, or sorry, Luke is right, like to be without Bundiaki, your your main player for the next, you know, eight weeks. Five, I think it's, it's a five Connacht games he's missing. Like, is very, very costly. Like they need everyone on board at all available opportunity. And you're right as well, Will, because. You know, even in I know we'll get on to talk about the the emerging Ireland game last weekend, and for all that we, we'll debate what that was worth, but there was no Connacht players. I think I'm right in saying in that team, and even in the wider squad, there was only a couple of Connacht players. Obviously, Caelan Blade. Got injured, so if you go back through it, even I think it was in- only three, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, Keen, prendergast and Dylan Tierney-, Tierney Martin, I think, are the other two, weren't they? And they're both yeah. going to be going to be starting, obviously, against the Pumas. But even if you go back through the 20s teams over the last few years, there's very, very few. Uh, I think Cullen reilly the scrum half, if I think I'm right in saying, was flying the flag for Connacht when they won the the 20s, won the Grand Slam as well. So you're right will if you go back and look at the the bigger picture like this is like very very tough and i think that's probably why myself and luke share you know the concerns because they have clearly identified the problems because they were glaring from last season but on what we've seen so far albeit in tough opposite against tough opposition they just haven't been able to rectify the problems and the longer that goes on they're just going to get cut further and further adrift which is which is i think why we're both worried
1: the expectations yeah look they, they probably are a little bit higher because they've been really really good the last you know sorry really really good but they've been good and they've overachieved based on their budget but leaving that aside like i think what, what's concerning about having those same issues defensively and i think uh particularly from a, a penalty count perspective uh as well like kind of silly penalties like 40 meters out in front of the post like to my mind that's the thing that that kind of that's kind of panic thinking it's people you know you know a a lack of care um you know in terms of you know uh, just giving up cheap points and thinking like it's okay against different teams to my mind it it speaks to kind of a mentality issue which i i think you can always fix i don't think that's to do with your your kind of player quality like i think that's to do with being on the on the money uh you know in terms of your mentality coming into a game so that's not that's an effort issue to my mind that's not an a Uh, And a thinking issue not not a not a player quality issue and i think as well the same thing about defensively like that's a commitment issue and it's also a thinking issue in terms of okay what are we doing here are we are we clear on what we're doing okay now it's about you know wanting to get off the line and and hitting people and, and pushing the other team back and making this you know being watertight and i think that's not something to do with you know quality player quality i think they're kind of you know you know players having standards uh, and wanting to deliver, to, to deliver on those standards and having a clear line of thinking from the coach to, to onto the pitch. So that's probably why I highlighted those two areas. But I completely agree with your point in terms of like, yes, the budget, of course, is always going to be an issue for Connacht. And like, are we kind of being overly critical? Maybe we are, but I, I, that's, that's probably why I went down that avenue. I think there are things that are fixable and it's not a player quality issue. Do you, know, do you know, is that? Is that... Is that yeah, no, yeah, no, I agree.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. You know, fixing the fixable issues, obviously, is paramount, no matter what your budget is. Like, realistically, I, I, you know, sometimes I feel like we might be judging them on the Irish rugby curve, which we, all of us expect really high standards from our teams, especially, we, you know, Irish rugby, we hate, like, those dumb penalties because the players are so well uh, coached from such a young age these days, we just expect very high standards. So when they're not hit, we're, we're, we're quite critical. But at least for Connick's perspective, they, they play good rugby. Even when they're not winning games, they can still try to ball around. Like, I can think of a lot of teams in World Rugby, when things are, when they're getting beaten a lot or they're not playing well or not getting the points they want, they're, they're unwatchable. At least can't stay true to that DNA that they've instituted over the last six, seven years. And like, I think of a lot worse things to be known for, at very least, than for playing good rugby. But as you say, hopefully over the next few weeks, they fix some of those issues. And then obviously that Friday night game is, is, is going to be huge. Okay, Keen. we'll finish up with Emerging Ireland. I think you drew the short straw from the Irish independent team. You were covering it last Friday while I was traipsing around uh, the Titanic experience, learning about uh, the history of the ship. Is it a complete waste of time? Is it? Is it you no, know, we, we debated it over the course of two, three podcasts before we knew the squad, when we saw the squad, when we saw the fixtures. Now that we're, they're out there, that you've watched it, you've seen the opposition. Is this
2: just complete bullshit? Like, what, 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 What's your thought on it? Definitely. I was definitely taking a glass half full approach. I will admit that from the start because I think I made the point that I, I just enjoy kind of covering the 20s, you know, the six nations and that, that you get to see like the players coming through. So I was definitely optimistic, but whoa, I was not expecting the Greek was to be as bad as that. I have to say they were awful. Absolutely awful, and I think that has to be said before we go any further because second string Gric was by all accounts as well. Not even there. Not even the real Gric was exactly. Yeah, yeah. The real Gric was. Well, the real Gric was. Please stand up. Um, (laughs) and the Pumas could be the same by the sounds of it because after they won the Curry Cup, seemingly they've lost lots of players too. So, um, yeah, like I'm, my glass is slowly emptying. I have to say because I just thought it was really, really poor. Within the game I thought there was lots of good good stuff we the Lou touched on Jack Crowley earlier he was like excellent but again like w- w- you know what are we what are we judging him off here um to me it was almost like well I, I was going to say like an AIL game but I think that would be insulting actually genuinely to the, the top division in the AIL I think a lot of teams probably would have given him a better game but there's just yeah like I am I know the Cheetahs game on Sunday is going to be the one where they should get a, a tougher, a tougher test. But like, we were talking to Mike Cat about this today, and you know he was kind of he he was asked, you know, basically not not quite as uh, bluntly as you will, but um, was asked like, "Is this a waste of time?" And he was basically like, "Well, go and ask the players. I don't think any of them will tell you that." But of course, the players aren't <laughs> going to tell us that. But because um, the media, you know, John
1: <laughs> Could you imagine? <laughs> I'd love
0: like,
2: if a player. i love if a player. Was just like this is a complete waste of time. I wish I was black playing for you know monster Ulster etc. But, but yeah, but like I told, like I told you from what I heard in the grapevine, there was there was certain players who were, we'll say, in and around, kind of they weren't sure if they were going to be asked to go in it, and they were almost turning their phones off hoping that they weren't going to get called up to this. So I would imagine privately a lot of the players, particularly because it's in Bloemfontein. I know it's like sunny and that but it's not supposed to be the nicest part of the world. Apologies to any South African listeners, but that's that's what I hear. So look, the, the, the players aren't going to come out and say it. of course my cat and the coaches are going to tow the party line, but I like I did think it was interesting that, you know, to give the Ireland players their due credit, the standard of opposition were really poor and we all accept that, but they looked quite cohesive and they gelled off the back of only a couple of training sessions. So the Ireland coaching staff will tell you, well, you know, they're already now learning calls. And, you know, I think with Stuart Moore was saying when they came into camp, they were given a playbook and it wasn't an emerging Ireland playbook. It was the Ireland playbook, you know, that this is what it kind of is all about. So that would be the argument, you know, for it. But, if we're going to see another kind of pasting against the Pumas, and I know Ireland are, have named, like, an unchanged team, but, like, if you're going to see a similar big scoreline, then it's very, very hard to justify taking these players away for this length of time. Unless, of course, you know, which is unlikely, but a few of them end up in the World Cup squad next year, but realistically, you're probably looking at the following yeah, cycle. Does, so, does the
1: league give yeah, you a better chance going. to get in that squad, like the World Cup squad? Does it? I mean, is this going to be... Are we going to be referencing this going, oh, geez, you can't, you know, you've got to bring Jack Crowley because geez, he was great on that Emerging Ireland tour against the, you know, the under fifteen, the is under-15s, do you know what I mean? Like, I I don't know, like, I just feel like, you know, he, he would really have benefited, and Munster would really be, have benefited from him being around the squad a bit longer. I think it's going to take him now longer. If you think about the setup of Munster, we're talking about them betting in ideas and plans and, game, you know, he'd also be a key component in that as an out-half in terms of delivering messages throughout the squad, getting an idea of the flow of the game, of who wants, you know, what players are... You know, are are doing in in each kind of new setup that they have an open play, and then you think of Prendergast; like he would definitely have a big impact on you know being around Connacht, um, even Balakoon. Like uh, if I was him, I'd be furious looking at sex and getting a few chances. You know, so I just think there's there's enough guys there who you kind of gone well Geez, he would. No, a few of them would have had a brilliant. You know, if they were involved against Leinster, or they were involved against you know the last couple of weeks, we would have learned way more about them. Well, I was going to say, Antoine Frisch as
0: well, like Munster's centre from France, who obviously with Chris Farrell's unavailability, is going to be a key position for them now. Antoine Frisch is, hasn't played for Munster yet. He's going to be in South Africa. He won't be available next weekend or the weekend after that, potentially, because they're only coming back on, I think, Tuesday. So that's ruled him out of the first three weeks of the season. Sorry, he played off the bench I yeah. think, in week one, actually. So he did, yeah. three weeks of the season he's been ruled out of. And as you say, when they're betting down those kind of things, like, yeah, you feel like you're flogging... I don't know, the the horse is still alive, but it's certainly, you know, it's slowly losing its life. But I feel like we've been flogging for weeks now.
2: One one point that my cat did make was, and maybe there is an element of truth to it, that there has been a lot of focus on guys like, okay, Robert Balakun and that, but that it's not really, it's not all about the five or six players that they're kind of looking at the guys underneath as well. And the reality is, they wouldn't have played for the provinces. I totally agree with Luke that they would have been better off, you know, within their provinces, like getting to know the systems, but they wouldn't have played games. And that's the reality of it. Like, I don't think Jack Crowley would have featured in, obviously he came off the, the bench, didn't he, in the first game, but against, you know, last weekend, he he probably wouldn't have played. And that's the reality is, is, of it. Is What's bench, your view on him Healy, Healy? Is, is that a bit tighter,
1: Keen than, than uh, I think that's kind of a tight battle here. It sounds like you don't think it is as tight at this point.
2: No i do i do i to me to my mind like i 've seen both of these players coming through in twenties and i 've seen them play in schools as well and um, to me jack crowley 's ceiling is is higher um i 'm very cautious and wary of making him another Harry Byrne because we've saw that works out there, but just the way he just the way he speaks to the the media even he 's really really confident you know he was really good after the the post match last week saying he went away and he he realized that he had to become a better kicker and you know we saw the couple of kicks that he he created tries with so you never know he could a guy like that if we just use him, him as an example could come back from South Africa and again this is the glass half full approach could come back from South Africa and be like more confident more assertive when he goes back into the Munster setup and I think that's what the Ireland coaches are hoping that you know when they've when they've been in a setup, like like he's obviously working with Mike Cat now, okay, he's missed a few weeks, a couple of weeks with Mike Prendergast, but he goes back, and even in team meetings, he's more confident to speak up um, by sharing his own ideas and stuff, so that's what they're hoping to see from these guys, and realistically, even when you look at the team that's going to play against the Pumas, not a lot of those guys, some of them absolutely would have, particularly the Connick guys, but not all of them would have featured, would have got game time, so that's the kind of balance i yeah, think but you're are talking, you talking about, about
1: guys if like if you're t- if you just t- to that point that my cat's making like like would jack crowley have been more confident if he had been around the setup for three weeks to actually go mm, okay what do you think i'm not sure about that i'm not sure how that's working versus now he's got to go back in and go well fuck, I, I gotta learn all these calls and i've gotta you know make sure that like he he seems like he'd have to figure out a few of those things again whereas like like maybe you're right but i, I would say <laughs> is he gotta come back uh You know, like, ultra confident from playing, as I said, you know, the the Greek is under 15s. Like, I I don't know. Like, you know, um, yeah, I'm skeptical enough about that, if I'm being honest.
0: I just hope Andy Farrell found time in his busy World Cup planning last week to, to watch the game. He was probably looking at hotel brochures for France for, for places for the Ireland team to stay. You know, it's obviously big time to plan. So I hope he. And the stream went down. So will he ever get to see those 15 minutes of the game? You know, something key could have happened that could have changed Ireland's World Cup destiny. But Andy Farrell didn't get to see it.
1: We hope not, Will. We hope not. We hope he got to see it because otherwise it will be a complete waste.
0: Okay, just to finish up, we might get predictions for for the desperation derby on Friday then, Keane. You know, it's such a big game as you know we we talked about it already like it, it really does kind of it could make or break certainly comic season if they get a fourth consecutive defeat but Munster will be up against it too. How do you see it going?
2: Uh I wouldn't be surprised to see Connacht win, but I think when it comes down to, like, missing a guy like Bundy Aki in a game like this, I said, Jack Harty is supposed to be in line to return. He hasn't played yet this season, but, um, like, a big crowd in Galway on a Friday night and, like, a new pitch, like, it will be, it will feel like a big occasion. It generally is when Munster go down there, and like I said, they've had their number over the last couple of years, but, um, like, Munster's quality, you'd imagine, should should win out, but they haven't been impressive over the first three games at all. So, um, long winded way of saying, I wouldn't be surprised if Connacht won, but if I had to pick, I'd probably say just Munster, but just. And Luke, you think Munster could have a good kind of bounce back tone setting
0: victory potentially.
1: Yeah, I do. I just, I'm, it's more down to a concern about how Connacht have started. Um, you know, you would expect some kind of bump from them being at home, you know, the, the new pitch opening up, but, um, yeah no I just think Munster will edge it I just think they need it really badly at this stage there's a real you know whereas I think Connacht can there's enough of those issues that I think are kind of going to be pretty hard to fix too quickly for them whereas I think Munster are I think Munster will continue to get better and I feel like this is going to be something that'll kind of you know inject a little bit of, of, of life into their season and and get them going but um I don't, think it'll be a, I don't think it'll be by a wide margin, put it that way. I think it'll be a tight one. There'll still be a bit of an arm wrestle there just based on of being at home. But yeah, Munster for me. Well, I'd
0: like to thank Luke and
1: Keane for joining me
0: on this week's episode of the Left Wing Podcast. We'll be back next week with another show. And in the meantime, you could subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, and please rate us as well if you have a chance. So until next time, thanks for listening and goodbye.
1: This is an Irish independent podcast.